Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a Sunday NBA shoot-around edition here on the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am joined by Lauren Gunn of Mavs Moneyball. Lauren, good morning. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for having me back once again. I uh, I am looking forward to chatting with you both, as always. Um, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. And we switched it up like in 2022 with the, the old stuff dying. I, I got a new desktop and everything. So now I got video component because this uh, computer and the new mixer and everything can handle all of this. And then Lauren, who was like always the only one, because I was the old school, like audio only person forever. I was like the last sports podcaster who was like not pivoting to video, not doing it. Sorry, can't <laughs> do it. And Lauren's over here, like for pods, she's the only one on video this week. It's Corbin and I on video. No, Lauren, because it, it's just uh, that's the way the world works. It's funny like that, but um, very exciting. And I'm glad that we're able to make this work on this Sunday morning. Also here, Mr. Corbin Ford. Corbin, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well, sir. Uh, like Lauren said, happy to be joined by both of y'all or, or join the both of y'all and talk some basketball. Love it. Let's talk some basketball. So there was a trade that Corbin got really excited about, Lauren. Like he was <laughs> he was in our DMs, was very, very fired up about the Blazers-Clippers trade that sent uh, Rocco and Norman Powell to Los Angeles. Um, I didn't have as strong of a take, though. Corbin, lay it out for us, because you were, you, were, you were excited to talk about this particular trade, because I think we might disagree on this front, and uh, I, I want to get your perspective on it. Okay, so the Clippers and Blazers, I guess, kicked off this um, NBA trade deadline. Well, they didn't, I guess, get off, but they did. Uh, the Clippers acquired, you know, Norman Powell and Robert Covington, uh, and then the Blazers acquired Eric Bledsoe, Justin Winslow, Keon Johnson and a 2025 second round draft pick um, that with Detroit's that Portland um, that, that that the Clippers had. So that was how the deal went down. Um, for me, I was fired to begin with because I look at Robert Covington, who's had kind of a down year, and Norman Powell, who has an expensive contract, but averaging what 18.9 points per game, shooting 40% from three. Like those aren't bad numbers. You know, like it's just an expensive contract. And I see the Clippers who have had a great defensive identity, have, you know, managed to play better than the Lakers despite the loss of both of their key players in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for most of the year, not only get two, like, big additions for right now to kind of stay the course, but then also, you know, the inevitable return of both Kawhi and Paul George. I'm like, wow. So what did the Clippers give up again? And I look back, and again, it's Justin Winslow, Eric Bledsoe, and Keon Johnson, and, and, and that draft pick. And everyone I've talked to has been like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's ducking the tax. It's cap relief. Great. That, that's all well and good. But, like, you got to tell me that, that that was the only, like, motivation making this deal. Either that or, as I've thought about a little bit more, the Blazers are so high on Keon Johnson, who I, I'm not as high on. Having done some research kind of before leading into the draft, reacclimating myself to him now, realizing he's only played, what, 13 games in the NBA not been super great, you know, in the in the G League that he's been. Still has issued this jumper. He's an athletic kid. But, like, you're not telling me that you couldn't have gotten something more for Nolan Powell from a playoff contending team. Robert Covington could have probably fetched you, in my opinion, at least a couple seconds, and he's had somewhat of a down year in Portland. So I just don't understand how going after your main motivation, which is, of course, to duck the tax, means you get absolutely nothing in return or, or very little in return. Um, and to me, that's what it seems like Portland has done. Now, I've maybe softened it a little bit in the last couple of days and maybe 
kind of seen, okay, if they package those two together and Johnson was the prospect they wanted rather than having, you know, one prospect in an own Powell trade and a couple seconds and Sally Flotsam in a Robert Covington trade, then I guess it makes some kind of sense, but I still vehemently disagree. Lauren, what do you what do you make of that? Because my perspective was that like, and you saw it come out after that Cronin said it was about both cap uh, creating cap flexibility mm-hmm. and also opening, I think he, he used the term like clearing the runway for Anthony Simons, <laughs> who mm-hmm. look, he's been really good this year. Yes, and if that's really your has. case is like, if Lillard is shut down for the rest of the year, Simons is playing really well. We need to reorganize a little bit of our roster. We need to kind of get younger. I mean, it's kind of like that addition by subtraction type deal um, that Atlanta just did. Like they got Cam Reddish off the books for nothing just to clear up the rotation a little bit and to give other guys more certainty about where they are in the rotation and just less uh, just less mouth to feed. And I think that's a real thing in a lot of organizations. And I think that's what Portland's trying to do a little bit. But what do you what do you make of all of that, Lauren? Yeah, so I'm kind of somewhere in the middle because I'm with Corbin uh, looking at Norman Powell and looking at Robert Covington. It was everyone expected Robert Covington to get moved and it was no secret that his value since the last time he has traded has gone down, uh, even though he's still a very solid role player on a playoff contending team uh, or on any team, really. Um, But when you put the sometimes when you put two players together, it automatically just devalues what you're going to get back, which blows my mind how we continue to see this happen. And I agree with Corbin 100% that you absolutely could have gotten more for Norman Powell. And that was a big contract. And so I I can see why they would have needed to move off of that and and why maybe that could also have uh, impacted the value that they were going to get back. But those, like, I just want, and I I do like Keon Johnson. I I do like him. I thought he fell a little bit more than I was anticipating. Um, But again, it's just the return that you got back, if you had sent them separately, now you're kind of forced in a way to move CJ, maybe and Nurkic. Like I was looking yesterday at Portland's cap sheet and they're about to pay uh, Anthony Simons a bunch of money. And and like you said, Chase, well-deserved. He's having a fantastic year. He was super young when he got drafted. So it seems like he's got a lot of room to grow here, but now what's your identity? I mean, Nas Little was having a great year until he, he was um, shut down for the rest of the season. So now you've got this group of young guys, Justice Winslow, I can't imagine is going to be long for this day in, in Portland, even though I also like Justice Winslow, but now Portland is just kind of in this state of, what happens now because you've got these young guys but if you're trying to prove to dame that hey this is where you should be to win i don't even know if they're they can buy that when they're trying to sell it to him and so uh, the cap flexibility i certainly understand they now have moves to make theoretically we were looking at it yesterday and it's not going to happen because they would have to sign and trade anthony simons and they're not going to do that but they could theoretically clear up a max cap slot if they really wanted to. And I don't see it happening again, because that would require moving Simons, but having the cap flexibility of Eric Bledsoe's contract being partially guaranteed next year helps moving off of Robert Covington. I mean, he was expiring anyway, but which is why I was like, at least get a couple seconds back. So I thought they should have gotten more back, but the cap flexibility aspect to it 
Norman Powell wasn't going to move the needle for your team. You have to shuffle the deck a little bit. I just really would have liked to see them have do some separate deals and try to maximize their potential return, especially if they're going to look at moving CJ and or Nurkic, which I still think is very much on the table. I think they could keep, I don't know if Nurkic really fetch, fetches anything. And if he's cool with Dame, then I don't know. It might be one of those. I just keep around because he doesn't seem yeah. to bother anything. Like you said, the Nazir Little injury really stinks because he was turning into a really good player with him. And I think um, the fact that Cronin called Simons a core piece, and I don't think mm-hmm. McCollum's a core piece, which naturally brings us back to your Dallas Mavericks because they are mm-hmm. apparently interested in trading, uh, potentially trading for CJ McCollum because I don't think Cronin's done. Um, even though he's the yeah. interim GM, it seems like he's got uh, he's got full access to reshaping this roster. And I think that's okay. Like, we'll see. We don't really know much. Like, he's pretty well respected and been around the league for a long time um different roles but uh i am curious to see what he does with mccom what mccom's mm-hmm. trade value is and if you you mentioned like opening up a max slot like there's certain places where that makes sense and they're like your dallas exactly. mavericks they did this all the time and it to unfortunate results because you still <laughs> have to get someone to take that money um mm-hmm. and portland no one's signing there no one's signing a max contract when that opens up like there's no point mm-hmm. in doing that however there is point in looking at kind of like Cleveland, what they did, they just got lucky. Like the lottery odds changed some stuff. So if their idea is like, let's clean up our cap sheet, let's uh, pay Anthony Simons, let's get Dame right, let's see what the market is for CJ McCollum, uh, let's get Nas uh, healthy for next year, and then let's cross our fingers for some lottery luck. Like they could easily jump up and get in that top seven, six range and then change the trajectory of their team because putting somebody like that in with Dame and company. I think would be fascinating. So I don't know. I think it's still a TBD for them, but then like we haven't really talked about the Clippers aspect of this, which is that like, this was kind of like a, let's keep the season. Let's make sure that we make the playoffs move. Like that's how I looked at it is like, we just need Paul, uh, Paul George insurance for the rest of the way here. Like we just, we're just going to play only wings. If you look at the Clippers (laughs) roster, it's just, we have 19 wings and uh, they're all going to be a pain uh, to deal with in the half court all game long. Um, but I get it where they were like, I, it seems to indicate that Paul George is not close and Kawhi is probably not coming back this year. So let's bring these guys in. I don't expect Roko to be a part of this team after this year. We'll see. But Norman Powell is someone who makes a lot of sense as like the, the temporary or the, this guy going into next year when Kawhi and Paul George can't go that you have the Norman Powell to pick up the slack because Terrence Mann is a good player but he's not doing that for 24 to 36. But if you're able to do 24 minutes of Norman Powell and 12 of Terrence Mann in those minutes in the regular season, that makes a big difference. So I don't know that that is my perspective. What do you think, Corbin? Uh, I agree. I, I like the the fit of both of those um, players on Los Angeles. Obviously Norman Powell, I agree more long-term than Robert Covington. I think, you know, off season we'll see where he goes, but you have someone who two way player can swing between the two and the three. Um, can definitely, you know, do some on-ball, playoff ball as well, solid enough shooter. He, he fit in really well with the C.J. McCollum um, and, and Dame Lillard, Dame Lillard C.J. McCollum back, where I think he'll be perfectly fine in more of a kind of front-court-oriented team here where he can do exactly what he did. He already has familiarity playing alongside uh, Kawhi Leonard, and I just think this is a great fit for him on this squad in, in terms of bringing some, you know, additional ball handling, a little bit of playmaking. He's improved that a little bit in Portland. He does have the shooting. Um, I, I think it's a great fit. I was like, 
hand and glove, it's going to work out well over there. Robert Covington, for now, I think does good. If they can bring him back for cheap next year, that would be kind of cool because then again, you could have this goal that the Clippers seem to be trying to chase where they just get these interchangeable wings one through five. You know, who needs a point guard? Oh, wait, we need a point guard. Let's get a D-level point guard, whatever. But that's probably the identity there where you do have, you know, a Marcus Morris playing small ball five. Well, right now you have a Robert Covington playing small ball five. Mm-hmm. Imagine you have a backcourt, I mean, not a backcourt, but a starting five of Morris and Covington, Powell, Kawhi, and PG. Like, <laughs> that's in the cards, you know, and it's kind of wild, but, like, it does enough on the offensive end, the defensive end. You got just enough ball handling, just enough shooting, like, and it'd be a terror, like, to have to defend just due to the sheer size of all of them or, in the case of Powell, someone who, while not necessarily that tall, plays bigger than his size and is still a handful on both ends. So, I think it's great for them. Um, I think it was a really good piece of negotiating by the Clippers, however they did that. Um, just say, hey, giant mind trick. You know, y'all need to get into the tax. Don't worry about what you're getting back. Just worry about getting into the tax. And Blake's going, you know what? Gosh darn it, that's a great deal. Like, whatever they did, like, you know, congrats to them. <laughs> like, that's some Clippers exceptionalism. I am guess I'm just getting used to it the last couple of years. Like, that's another solid trade they've done. Absolutely. Uh, Lauren, do you think the the – CJ McCollum fit makes any sense for Dallas and do they have anything that uh, Portland really want? And also this is a two part question because mm-hmm. do you know what the, because I guess this, this goes hand in hand because Dorian Finney Smith that made the rounds this week of like, did they pass up a first round pick mm-hmm. uh, to move Dorian Finney Smith? Do you buy that? And also do you think CJ McCollum is a natural fit with Luca and what Dallas is trying to do with Jason Kidd? Because they're kind of a defense first team and mm-hmm. McCollum is actually kind of a weirder fit this year than he would have been, I think, in Carlisle's offense beforehand. And also, don't think Jalen Brunson would be all about this, I suspect. Yeah, yeah the Jalen Brunson aspect to it is, is very interesting. Um, so I guess I'll start with the Dorian Finney-Smith first-round pick mm-hmm. rumor. So I don't... I don't, I do buy it. I I could see, or one, if that was offered to them right now, they would absolutely turn it down. They can't afford Hmm. to just take on a future asset just to move off of Dorian's money right now and, and just have no way of replacing what he's giving them this year. There's just, they couldn't do that. Um, So whether it's, whether it's real or not, I don't know. And I don't really care, but I'm also (laughs) not above thinking that, that Mark Cuban or any of these front office people might have some sort of story leaked or information going around that could be completely false. That's just a a leverage tactic. Like I'm not going to just take everything I see at face value with CJ. I would love CJ in Dallas because we have wanted a shock. We, We have needed someone that can get their own shot. I'm also going to be very okay if it doesn't happen. And to me, the New Orleans thing just makes a lot of well, actually, that's not true. Let me not say that. But <laughs> with Dallas and with Dallas and CJ, um, the reason I said that is because I think New Orleans can actually give Portland something that they would actually want more so than Dallas, because Dallas isn't going to give Jalen Brunson. I don't think that they would give Dorian Finney Smith because if you're replacing him with CJ, you you said it yourself, Chase the defense. Where does that fit? And now you've got Jalen, who you're starting, about to pay $80 million. Are you starting Luca, CJ, and Jalen? How does that work defensively? And so I think there would be some questions there. But at the end of the day, they I don't doubt that they could find a way to either do the occasional three-guard lineup or just constantly have somebody on the floor that 
they would trust to to run the offense and handle the ball. I don't know. I don't love it 100%. There are definitely better fits. But the thing about CJ is that he's only 30 years old. He's viewed as someone that needs to get moved. And I think Dallas is looking at this situation as this is a 20-point-per-game scorer, somebody that we think that we could get. And we need offensive juice. Everybody knows that we need somebody that can just get their own shot. And they're looking at this Portland situation saying, hey, we could probably get him for – not a whole lot. And right now we just, that's what we need. And so um, it won't surprise me if it happens, but I think it's probably more likely than not that CJ ends up elsewhere. Hmm. I, I'm fascinated to see what his return is. Like the saddest situation is him just getting pushed to uh, New Orleans because David Griffin's trying to save his job. So you exactly, exactly. Like I could see something like that where they overpay for McCollum because they're trying to make the plan. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, something that I do think is super fascinating is a team that is kind of like, so this matches up with your Mavericks, Lauren, where they mm-hmm. play the Hawks tonight. So I'm excited for Luca <laughs> versus Trey six Eastern mm-hmm. uh, six o'clock Eastern time tonight. But um, you have the jazz and the Mavericks both, around seven to eight games over 500 and then you have for what like it's just a it's a wild thing the grizzlies are now there's no doubting what the grizzlies are like the grizzlies are a top three team in the west and they're here Mm -hmm. so they're ahead of schedule they're over 20 games over 500 you have the suns you have the warriors who won eight straight the suns won nine ten that's pretty much locked in but if you're the nuggets this season's kind of a loss that you lost a bunch of pieces you hope you get porter and uh, murray back come playoff time but we'll see and who knows what they're like if you get them back at that point in the season um the rest of the way like the jazz and the mavericks are in a really fascinating spot because they're not one of the lower teams they're not a clippers or lakers or timberwolves who are fighting for the playoffs who are obvious first round exits but they're also like the team that probably like no one wants to play luca in round two or even like a four or five spot like if you're the grizzlies you want to avoid the mavs in round yeah. one you, you want to avoid that the jazz though this is not what they expected. I think even though it's been a good season, they're still taking to 500. You still have the questions with Gobert and Mitchell and those reports and all that kind of stuff. McMahon had all kinds of stuff. About, Did you listen uh, to that? Oof. Yes. And like Danny Ainge is now basically running Utah quietly. So that's something interesting. Uh, to monitor. I, there's so much intrigue with Utah for me. They're my most interesting team in the league at the moment because I think they have a window now with Joe Ingles done for the year that they cannot be they with a week to go before the trade deadline. The Jeremy Grant stuff makes so much sense. They would like just the addition by subtraction, just getting rid of some depth, having Jeremy Grant, and then just riding out with Bojan, Grant, Gobert, Mitchell, and Conley. Like, I don't know if that can beat the sons of the warriors, but I know that it gives them a better shot. It's more of like Jeremy Grant's like, I, I don't have any interest in being the Aaron Gordon for this team. I think I can still be the high usage, great player on a great team. Um, he's probably wrong there. He's still probably <laughs> wrong, but he's young enough where he still believes that he can do that, unfortunately. So he has not adjusted to what might be conducive to long-term winning um, in this league. But I am curious, like this wasn't on our show sheet, but I was just thinking about it with the Mavs. It's like y'all and the jazz, I think could do a lot of different things that would be super fascinating because the West is kind of materialized in a way where it's the top three, it's the play-in teams that are getting waxed, and then the really worst, the worst, and the Kings, the the Thunder, the um, just uh, the Blazers, and everything else. So I'm curious because they're the two wild cards. Is is that fair? 
Um, I, I think it's fair um, because they're in this weird, they're just in this weird, I guess with the Mavericks, they're in this weird, the West is open. Mm-hmm. Memphis is Memphis is like you said, you can't doubt who they are, but they are still a young team and that's a factor come playoff time. So where is now the time to try and put something together? But Dallas just doesn't really have the trade assets yeah. to go out and, and hit this home run, which is why with CJ, if you go get CJ, I wouldn't hate it because again, you just need somebody that can create their own shot. And sometimes when you go against even a team like the Clippers with Norman Powell and Robert Covington, even maybe with no Paul George and no, um, and no Kawhi, like they can neutralize Jalen Brunson. Memphis also can neutralize Jalen Brunson because these long athletic wings, I mean, Jalen, Jalen is a very good player, but he, sometimes he just, he can get neutralized by these guys. And so if you go get CJ, at least you have another option. And right now Dallas is looking at Luca saying, I think this guy is so good that, we're okay taking anyone on. Like we are okay taking anyone on. Obviously there are teams that you would prefer to go against over others, but like Zach Lowe, or I guess it was Tim. I don't even remember who said it at this point, but somebody said every single team in the West, nobody wants to go against Luca first round. Yeah. Cause this kid, when he gets cooking, there's nothing you can do. And it's true, but we've also seen what's happened the last couple of years in the playoffs. So um, Dallas, I think, feels like they have an opportunity. And, and and don't forget, Nico Harrison is new on the scene, and he's looking to make his first move. He is not mm-hmm. trying to sit on his hands, continue to take the heat from Mavs Twitter. He is looking to make a move. And I don't think he – again, he's got limited assets to work with, so I don't think he's trying to force into to something that could be looked back on as a, as a short-sighted move. Um, but Dallas is in this weird spot where they do feel like if they get the right – path they could shock some people and i share that same sentiment just based on what i'm seeing luca doing uh how like how he is physically now as the season has gone on and the fact that the defense is is pretty solid and that we've been doing it with poor Zingas being out almost 20 games this season i think 20 games after tonight so yeah um yeah a lot of a lot of interesting kind of moving parts right now in dallas but i will be i'm more focused on february 10th because i don't think it's going to be 100 percent the same team but i'm just really looking to see how how much of a uh shake up they're looking at there you go corbin do you think the sham stuff in regarding harden and Simmons, the fact that that just heated up a little bit in recent days, the the big stuff um, out of the athletic on Harden and Simmons. Do you think that's real? Do you think that that actually is something that gets done before the deadline? I think it's possible. Um, I think that that Shams, you know, there was a report on it that it's maybe closer to being a possibility than I originally suspected. At first, it was just like a rumor that I was like, yeah, well, we don't know. But like, you can look at James Harden. He does seem very discontent. You know, he is going to be a free agent after this year. There are no, like, certainties at all that he will come back to Brooklyn. And if you're Brooklyn, if you can, you know, get rid of a guy that doesn't really want to be there rather than lose him for nothing and get someone to Ben Simmons who would help you, at least on the defensive end of the ball, um, give you some playmaking and some size as well, give you a young talent locked, locked down, you know, under contract for a bit. Like, you can do that. And I can see James Harden wanting to chase Greener pasture. It seems like that's what he's wanted to do for a while now. You know, you go to Brooklyn, I'm sure he thought the expectation of playing alongside Kyrie 
and KD and just kind of coasting their championship. That didn't work out last year. That isn't working out this year so far. So go to Philadelphia, back to being the man that he, I guess, wants to be, or at least by – it's a lot of smoke around there. But whatever. He's more comfortable. I'll go with that. I'm going to go ahead um, and say he's not going to be the man in Philadelphia. I, I, also think don't think I don't think you're surpassing uh, Joel Embiid in that regard. No, not only not only is he not, but I also don't mm. like that fit with them at all. Like he, you don't like best. the Harden and beat fit. I do not. Harden thrives okay. best with like a rim rolling big. You know, you look mm-hmm. at the Celtics mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Capello. You look at the Celtics with Nick Claxton. Like these are the type of guys. These like guys who will roll hard and finish around the basket. You get a Dwight Howard. Remember that fit did not work out very well. Dwight Howard wanted to be more of a post up guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Harden wanted to make him into a pick and roll guy. It took a while for us to realize that was probably the best bet for Howard. But at the time, this is what he wanted to be. He was the star, you know, signing alongside Harden. And we saw the issues there. Joel Embiid is a much better version, you know, posting up than Dwight Howard ever was. In addition mm-hmm. to him being, when he does go for a pick, being a pip, pick and pop big and not necessarily a pick and roll guy. So now you're going to have Embiid. Like, if you're trying to tell Embiid to change his game out of the success that the 76 are having right now, you know, and have been having built around Embiid, Harden better be like a one-two punch and he's not the one, you know? And I'm not sure if that is the mindset that Harden has. Like, yeah, it's going to be an adjustment period, but I feel like people have been making some jokes. I've seen on Twitter. I've seen, I think, on – I forgot what podcast it was, that Harden's a better shooting version of Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's in terms of – I think it's in terms of the mindset that obviously everyone's saying that. He's like – I think that was a low post. I think that was, uh, was what's his name? It was, it was uh, Bontemps who said that. Yeah, it okay, was Bontemps and Bobby Marks, yeah. There you go. Yeah, and like, I kind of agree in terms of not play style, not any of that. I just mean the mindset is there. Like, Harden mm. has been who he's been. You know, he actually did change. Once he went from that six-man, you know, type of connector who could, you know, put the offense on his back for, you know, quarters, games at a time in OKC, once he went to Houston, that evolution happened. There has not been a third one. Like, this is what he is. He's what yeah. he's been for a decade now, um, a decade plus, no, a decade now, and this is what he's going to be. The same thing with Russ. Like, this is where they're at. You can fi- find some value in this in the fact that Harden's offensive game hasn't completely fallen apart. He's still a very um, serviceable shooter. I think his shooting has gone down this year, but just in general, you would imagine that he would, would get some space from Embiid. But, I mean, you play, you were playing alongside KD. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, like, I, I just don't I – can't, I can't totally absolve Harden to blame. And then you're going to take him – um, a guy who's had hamstring issues over the past two years of, I would say, pretty interesting severity. Like, he's been out for a couple over the same lingering issue with the last two seasons. Isn't always in the best of shape coming into the season. More of a play-your-way-into-shape kind of guy. And already, what, 32? So if you go on to Philadelphia, I mean, I would imagine they make that trade to extend him long-term. I don't even want to think about You're not trading for Harden game. unless the, there's an agreement in place to pay him an extension. Like, that's an extension mm-hmm. and, and waiting. And I mm-hmm. shudder to think about what you're paying 35, 36-year-old Harden, mm-hmm. you know, playing half a season potentially. Like, it, it just – no, I don't like that fit at all. Um, okay. But do you – the alternative is you do nothing and then you just waste an all-time great 2 and beat season and hope that he's healthy and just like this next year. And see, this is the problem. And this is why I think that mm-hmm. maybe there is some, like, there's smoke, smoke this fire, whatever the name mm. Like, I do think up until maybe last week that Darren Moy was content to do just that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is stupid. But I could see him so hard trying to win this. You know, he's been pushing this all year, you know, all offseason. Uh, you know, you've had everyone coming across, oh, we want this. No, he's going to wait for this Godfather offer. And I'm like, I see him buckling down. Like, yeah, being what my mom calls wrong and strong. 
mm-hmm. in trying to maintain this package. So I thought, yes, he will. If anything, I could see him looking at this and being more emboldened by it, going, well, Embiid's doing so well, and we're not doing too bad, and the East is relatively wide open. Let's see what happens with this unit, as if there's some magic that can be caught. Like Maybe he thinks that. So the fact that he is now leaning toward making a change does give me hope. Don't know if Harden is that guy, but at least there is a chance now that they can maybe scoop up an additional piece or two, and that the 76 are better equipped to, like you said, not waste Embiid's prime. This is one of the healthiest Embiid seasons we've had. You know, he's playing just just dominant, I'd say more so than last year where he was MVP candidate yeah. and healthier, too. So you definitely don't want to let that go, especially in the Eastern Conference right now that, again, the Bucks have been kind of up and down. You see what yeah. the Brooklyn Nets are like the Bulls are the Bulls, but they've also sustained some serious injuries over the course of the season as well. So I think that he does. I, I just I don't know. It went from maybe like twenty five, seventy five to maybe forty, sixty that there was mm-hmm. a move being done. So, I mean, it's better than nothing, but we will definitely see. But I'm more hopeful now um, from Philadelphia's end that they're at least looking, if not at Harden specifically, to upgrading their roster to make a better fit around Embiid and prioritize um, the recent stretch of play he's had because it has been tremendous. Lauren, how here are you for a Kyrie, Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant leadership group? (laughs) I love that you phrased it that way. Wow. (laughs) You know, I think it's probably going to be what everybody expects it to be. I think you got a lot of guys in there that might, like, it's Kevin Durant's team. But I don't know. Because at one part of me is like, you know, Ben Simmons is just going to be so happy to get out of Philadelphia. Like, I don't think he cares if he's the 12th man on the roster, which maybe I wouldn't go that far. But Mm -hmm. um, I don't don't think that it's uh, – I just don't think it's a well-balanced roster. I still think you – you know, it's great that you have that ball handling, especially when Kyrie is not available. But I'm not sitting here looking at their roster saying, oh, my God, look at how those pieces fit together the way I am with with Memphis or Phoenix, yeah. you know. And so I just that part doesn't quite sit sit so well with me. Um, but again, this James Harden situation, like there seems to really be some 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 problems there. And we've all kind of been watching it like how unhappy is James Harden how much friction is there in the locker room like where are these guys at what are what are their conversations between this this Brooklyn what are the conversations between the big three like what is going on and so now that this trade this potential Simmons Harden swap seems now more on the table than ever it really tells you kind of what is going on and and how bad things or how much things have deteriorated so right now on one hand, I'm like, if you're Philly, if I try to put myself in Philly's shoes, because I agree with everything that Corbin said, I think that that is a spot-on analysis of James Harden. And if you think about James Harden with with Joel Embiid, and maybe he throws the ball into Embiid in the post and lets Embiid go to work, you get a double team on Embiid. James Harden's not relocating; he's still going to be standing in the same spot that he passed the ball. So, like, how does that how does that work? And so, um, with with Philadelphia. I still think that they're looking at this as like, this is our ideal situation. I think Daryl Morey is like, Hey, James Harden's my guy. Like I one, I want the, I want the all, like the all-star top, whatever player to pair with Embiid. This is it. I know what James is. James knows me. Like we can all come on this together. And so while I think the rest of us might be looking at it and say, you might want to pump the brakes on him being the best option for this Ben Simmons swap. I kind of think Daryl Morey is like salivating at this opportunity. And so I, I don't want to say it's a done deal, but it's going to be very telling if it actually does come to fruition within the next, where are we at? Four or five, where are we? Four days? Are we four days away? Wow. Um, <laughs> and so Jesus, yeah, that's going to be very telling about 
the trouble going on in Brooklyn right now. And if you add Ben Simmons in there, I just don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. It's an interesting just like bet on the talent over anything else, right? Yeah. Like you're just like, let's just roll it at the ball out and just see what happens here. I it's not a bad strategy. It's something worth exploring. It's better than a lot. A, a lot of teams would kill to be in Brooklyn situation where you're just like right. mixing and matching top 15 players in the league. And you're like, okay, maybe this group of top 15 works better than this other group. Um, I don't know. I, I'm curious about it. Uh, what do you think happens with Cleveland, Lauren? Because Karis LeVert just popped up. He seems like he has no trade value. The fact that it's just, it, it feels like it's getting sadder and sadder when I read the reports on what uh, uh, Indiana might be doing with him. But um, he, I don't know, like Colin Sexton seems like the odd man out there and you have Ricky Rubio's expiring, um, in Cleveland, but I don't know. I don't know if another wing is the right answer for them. I might go after, like, it seems like they would need more of a ball handler to fill the Ricky Rubio stuff. Cause I was like, I, Rajon Rondo is not filling that. Uh, <laughs> he's not filling that void that Ricky Rubio was playing. That's just not, not reality, right. but um they're there like we talked about the memphis grizzlies they're kind of the eastern conference version where they're not going anywhere and people who are waiting on the bottom to fall out in cleveland you're gonna be waiting a while because they're just there like cleveland's won seven of their last 10 uh they're 32 and 21 four seed if the playoffs started today i just don't see a gigantic drop off the last few months of the season here so i'm curious do you uh do you like the levert fit potentially in cleveland and if you're cleveland how do you how do you handle uh the colin sexton ricky rubio uh assets yeah so i don't love the levert fit i mean i think it's i think he would be fine but with what cleveland is doing and how fast this rebuild has kind of or just how fast tracked it has become ever since the ping pong balls fell the right way and they got themselves Mm. evan mobley i'm kind of looking at the same way i look at memphis don't rush it let these guys continue to grow. You have this Colin Sexton situation that you have to handle. And, and most people are expecting Colin Sexton to be wearing a different jersey next year, or at least yeah. that's, that's the impression I'm he under. He just clutch. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me th- thank you for bringing that up. And so <laughs> I, I think that that needs to be their primary focus is what they can mm-hmm. do with that. And, and Karis LeVert, I feel like is try. And again, I'm a LeVert fan, but mm-hmm. I do. I, I think that that's trying to rush it a little bit. And so I think, Getting, you know, another, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they have their draft pick this year. It's like getting mm. another uh, first round pick and then just letting these guys continue to grow. They're playing well right now with where they're at. Uh, just kind of see what you can do with this group and see what you can get back for Colin Sexton, whether it's a sign and trade, you deal him at the deadline, whatever the case may be. I've also seen rumors that they might trade the Rubio contract because he is expiring and mm. there's just a lot of money that needs to be moved around in the league. So they might be able to get you know, a small asset back just for helping facilitate something. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think if, if I were Cleveland, that's what I'd be doing. I'd just be trying to accumulate more assets to put myself in a position for, you know, something bigger down the line. And right now I think Karis Levert would be rushing that a little bit, but that's, that's just my opinion. My ideal one is Derek white. I would just do a Derek white, uh, for Rubio and uh, oh, there you go. like that would in the money works. Um, it yeah. gives the Spurs some more financial relief. Uh, they need to continue to reset and Rubio and expiring, just open up some more money. Like DeJounte Murray is fine. Long-term mm-hmm. you can keep him in there. But outside of that, like I don't really, and Keldon Johnson, I guess too, but I don't know. They're kind of in a really, really depressing, <laughs> strange, sad position, which I know just 
really upset to you that uh, the Spurs continue <laughs> on their downward, sad trend uh, to obscurity um, as this pop era rolls continues to roll along in a brutal fashion. But we'll see. I, I think Derek White would actually like he he checks a lot of boxes for them. And he also would not be someone who's like, Hey, uh, I'm ready to get mine. Like, I think he's fine with where he would be. He seems like a pretty good team player where Garland Mobley, um, Jared Allen and company would all, uh, be ahead of him in the, in the shot department. And he'd be okay with that. I think he, he's a pretty team first guy. And I think it's kind of like that same thing. If you're going to move on from Rubio and you want someone to replace him, you want someone who is going to move the ball, who is going to, um, be more of a, facilitator team first kind of guy like the kevin herder types that just are uh, the glue guys the glue wing guys who can do a lot of different things but not maybe do anything expertly well right a good like that's a good type of move where you're looking at some of and it actually it kind of comes back to this whole portland uh clippers trade like if you're looking at a team that has a guy that you can see what they bring and, and that they're a good value asset, but they just don't fit the situation that they're in right now or the timeline or, or whatever the case may be. Those are perfect opportunities to maximize. And and if you're Cleveland and you're looking at Derek White and you can get that deal done, I mean, he's going to come in and Cleveland's going to continue to play play well and have more eyes on them because so many are saying Cleveland is one of the most fun teams to watch this season. And it's true. And so if you add Derek White in there, you're going to have a lot more people theoretically watching Derek white than they are watching or then than they are now watching him in San Antonio. And so he's a good glue guy. Like you said, you know exactly what you're going to get with him. And I think he fit pretty well with, with what they're trying to build there. He's also on, you know, relatively the same timeline. So I, I don't hate that one bit. And then on top of that, when he's at the value that he's at now, he's playing well, you got more eyes on him. That kind of sets the foundation for potentially including him in a deal later on if, if you need to. So I think that those are more the types of deals that Cleveland should be looking at um, as they continue to let this just crazy front court of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley continue to develop because my goodness, I just, I think the sky's the limit for them. Absolutely. Well, we'll end on this, Lauren. Uh, the all-star uh, teams are, have, have been revealed. Um, mm-hmm. Some notable uh, emissions, Jared Allen, LaMelo Ball, depending on who you ask, but who is your... <laughs> biggest snub lauren for me it's it's jared allen and and part of Hmm. that is is because it is in cleveland but i just i think when you what you're doing where's cleveland right now are they they're third in the east is that right or i think yeah fourth okay so Hmm. in the west with the exception of memphis right now every single team has at least two all-stars and then in the east I don't, I don't know what those numbers look like in the East and I'm not going to count live, but um, I think that Cleveland, especially with it being with the game being in Cleveland should have gotten that same nod. Um, But I didn't hate like what every time when the, when the reserves came out, I was like, you know what, this is fine. Like I know some people were like Chris Middleton, really? But I mean, I, I, so that's kind of the one that I would have liked to see maybe Chris for, for Jared Allen. But again, I don't know every single little thing that goes into that details. The all-star reserves are just kind of like a, you know, they, they just are what they are. And so in the West, I'm look I'm interested to see who that replacement will be for, for Draymond. Um, it seems like a lot of people want it to be DeJounte Murray. Uh-huh. Uh, and so again, I'm always for teams that 
are don't get a lot of attention finally getting that attention. So I would be all for that. But I think this is probably one of the one one of the years that I feel like for the most part, I'm not like outraged at what I'm seeing. I think not putting LaMelo in was a mistake. I think yeah, the whole point I agree. of yeah. All-Star Games is fun. And like that was something I thought about with Jared Allen. I'm like, there's not he's a great player but he's not someone right. anyone wants to watch in an all-star game. There's it's cl- the Clint Capella thing where it's just unfortunate yeah. that it, they matter so much in a regular in a real basketball game. Cause these are not real basketball games. They matter right. so much. And it's not disrespectful to say like, Hey, you're awesome. You do great stuff for us in a actual game that matters basketball game. But mm-hmm. there is nothing intriguing about a pick and roll big who cannot shoot at all. <laughs> like there's just, you don't want that in an all-star game. It's just unfortunate that that's just not what you want. Lamelo Ball is literally the exact kind of player you want in an all-star yeah. game. He is so much fun, and the Cornets are so much fun, even when they're not playing well. Like you had a whole confrontation with uh, the UConn kid and James Borrego last night, so we'll see what happens there. Maybe that's another <laughs> uh, early point guard that might be on the move. Um, but Lamelo is fun, and I think that was a missed opportunity to uh, put him in the game because I think that would be good for both Charlotte, and they need all the exposure they can get. And then just LaMelo is good. LaMelo is a good, fun player. He's one of my favorite players to watch. And I think that's someone you could grow the game with. And I think a lot of young kids uh, would love to see LaMelo in the All-Star game. And the whole point is to grow the game and to give fans what they want. And I think LaMelo Ball in an exhibition game with other stars is exactly what the NBA should have been looking for there. Yeah, I, I in that in that regard, I, I agree. If if you want, the, you know, the most people watching to give mm-hmm. other teams like it all on paper makes more sense. Um, I I wanted Jared Allen to get it because a lot of these guys take pride in being an All Star, and there's a lot that comes with that, mm-hmm. and like with contract incentives and just just there's so much going on with that. And I would have really liked to see with the year that Cleveland's having for them to get the two all-stars, especially when they're putting up crazy numbers. But yeah, you're not, you're probably not even going to get a whole lot if Jared Allen were to be in there. I don't really know how many moments you would see. Whereas LaMelo, like you said, like it would be a nonstop show. And he's just, he's the type of guy that there's content at every single corner with, with this kid. I mean, he's just, he's so likable and he's hilarious. So yeah, I, I do think that that in 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 that regard that yeah it's probably a missed opportunity there but I don't doubt that he'll be there next year. Lauren, what can uh, the good folks check out uh, on Mavs Moneyball and everywhere else this week uh, with your coverage? Yeah, so uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Lauren Gun uh, Gun with two ends. All my Mavs talk chat whatever will be there. Thoughts, trade pictures, whatever you want, it will be there. Um, I do. I don't know if it will be this week, but coming up shortly, I'll have an article coming out. Uh, I sat down with uh, Mavs uh, shooting coach, uh, Peter Patton, and we talked about kind of what these guys have been working on. Um, short-term, long-term, long-term goals, just everything development. And he had some, some great stuff for me. So I'll be writing on that and get it out uh, shortly here. So yeah, come chat with me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, go do that. Lauren, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you to Corbin who had to run uh, to brunch because it is Sunday and it is a brunch (laughs) day. So I appreciate y'all for making the time per usual on this NBA Sunday shoot around edition of this very podcast. You can uh, watch us every Sunday on YouTube, Chase Thomas Podcast YouTube. And if you like listening to Lauren, Corbin and myself talk NBA, make sure you leave us a five star rating and a review. Lauren Gunn, you have yourself a great rest of your weekend and I will talk to you very soon. 
Thank you so much. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.